What's up? Uh, this is the second episode of Boss to the Future. Um, this is Hulk Bogan, Sean Ross. Um, this episode we're looking at uh, the first episode of SmackDown in the 2000s. Uh, follows ton of incredible matches there weren't uh crazy moments um, it was kind of lacking a little bit it was kind of surprising to have So the show starts with uh, Triple H backstage with DX. Well, actually, before that, um, the show recaps the prior events and the goings-on within the organization at the time. Um, one thing that I noted was that uh, the Triple H first Big Show match actually looked really good on recap. I was pretty critical of it, like, the first time around. But um, it obviously made for some pretty good highlights and... You know they got the, they got what they needed out of it, and um, no, it looked fine really. Like it really didn't look that bad on, <clears throat> on the back, on the uh, the look back, in hindsight. Um, but I think that's good because at the time, like Big Show looked like, I mean, it didn't look like shit, but it just did nothing for his character. He just lost, cold. Um, it was like a slight distraction and a low blow, but it wasn't like they didn't make it. They didn't make it like they were beating the largest athlete, the world's largest athlete, the big show, like the giant. They didn't make it seem like that at all. They just kind of made it seem like they were just beating a turnstile champion, a guy that was setting up for Triple H to take over, which really what it was in the storyline, but I think you could do both. You could kind of make him look better and regardless. 
But um, yeah, it starts in backstage. Uh, the show starts backstage with uh, Triple H talking to X Park, Road Dog, and uh, Billy Gunn. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of a weird gimmick in the sense that it looks as though they're kind of being punished for what they couldn't get done on the uh, the episode of Raw this week. What about Big Thursday? Big Show, what's the problem? I went out against him. Yeah. One on one, I beat him for the title. You're every bit as good as I am. I think that's cute. Um, saying, <laughs> saying, Triple H saying that he's uh, Park is as every bit as good as he is. Um, it's obviously a bit of humor, a bit of haha. Um, but uh, Steph puts Billy Gunn in a handicap match against the Acolytes. Um, again, what's with handicap matches? Uh, this is four in one week. Um, I think this is the only one on the show, but um, there was three on Raw. So this literally, we're averaging two handicap matches a show at this point, which is wild. Um, and then uh, they've announced that Triple H is defending his world title in a lottery. So they're going to be drawing a name out of a tumbler and that's the show. That's the main event for the show and... You know, he's going to be a defending, defending champion. Um, but yeah, the first match is uh, X-Pac and Triple... Uh, X-Pac and Big Show. Um, it was... Uh, I mean... I don't know. <laughs> There's nothing really. There's not, not much going on really. Like, Big Show comes out and he was the last match on Raw losing his title. He's the first match on SmackDown. I don't know, being angry about losing the title. There's no talk of a rematch. There's no talk of anything. There's no talk of him getting revenge and hunting down DX or anything like that. It's just like Steph puts him in a match with, with X-Pac, which is, it's, it's fine. It's fine. But um, show stands on Park's uh, neck. He shoves the referee. They call a DQ for the finish of the match. Uh, Big Show chokeslams Mike Kyoto. Um Bunch of refs come to the ring. He clears them. He scares them off like he's fucking Godzilla. Um, but he gets some credibility back. Like, he kind of, you know, he he's scary again. Because, like, let's be honest, he wasn't scary. He wasn't tough. He wasn't big at the end of the last show. Um, then the following match um, is Crash Holly and Hardcore Holly versus China and Chris Jericho. Again... I noted this on the last episode on Raw when Hardcore Bob Holly kind of beat the shit out of Crash Holly and chased him through the crowd and stuff like that. For me, that's that's a split. That's is that not a split? Like, is that the gimmick? Is that he just beats the shit out of his cousin? Is that is that not a split? How does that how is that not a split? So they're back together without any sort of talk. It's just like nothing ever happened, which is expect exactly what I expected to happen, which is really fucking weird. Um. But yeah, China and Jericho are still in the uh, the gimmick where they're the co-intercontinental champions. I think it's like it's handling it, they've handled it pretty well in the sense that like the storyline you've got like two really really high quality workers in China and, and Chris Jericho. Like China was really underrated. Um, I think she gets a lot of props now because pe- maybe people are starting to notice, and especially in the women's revolution, they're realizing that she was actually significant, not just a novelty. But um. Like, she did everything really well. She was really crisp in the ring. 
Um, especially considering this is a time when women's wrestling was not known for their quality of matches or anything like that. Again, I'm not going to go into it too much, but I I like the angle. I like the idea of Jericho and and China kind of going together. It's pretty unique. Um, they're sharing the title. They're like rivalries, but part the rivals, but partners. Um, kind of like a real odd couple tag team. Um, China doesn't help Jericho, costing Jericho the match where the numbers take up take up an advantage and uh, Bob Holly and Hard Holly and they win the match. China takes off with the Intercontinental Champion Championship. Um, that's the end of the match. Like it didn't didn't really do much, but it progressed the storyline a little bit. Um, yeah, it's like it's it's nothing crazy. Um, the next part of the show was a backstage segment. Road Dog uh, was looking for Triple H. Stephanie tells him that Triple H is getting changed in the bathroom. So Road Dog's natural reaction is to go, okay, I want to go into that bathroom. Turns out it's Tori, um, Kane's, as it's now been defined, girlfriend, which, again, I don't know how that works. Um, but she's the one that gets triggered by shit. So Steph sets Road Dog up to go into the bathroom. Again, don't know why he's going on Triple H in the bathroom. But, um, yeah, that sets up, obviously, some angle coming up later in the show. Uh, Kane comes into the locker room after the fact. Um, actually, sorry, that's later on. Um, the following match is uh, the handicap, the one of many handicap matches this week between the Acolytes, soon to be APA, uh, Bradshaw and Farouk, um, and uh, Billy Gunn. So the Acolytes were punished on Raw um, and given the... were on the down end. They were the they were the disadvantaged team in a handicap match on Raw, but now they are the advantaged team in the handicap match on SmackDown. Doesn't make a ton of sense to me personally, but it's the year 2000. <coughs> and we're just going to roll with it. Um, um, so, let's say, no. Oh, earlier tonight it was the big show dismantling X-Pac. Now it's the Acolytes trying to take out Billy Gunn. Um, cool little spot from the match was Billy Gunn kind of turning himself inside out with a clothesline from hell from Bradshaw. Um, it's easy to forget how big Billy Gunn was, especially when he's still around now. Um, and just seeing the size of him, he was uh, pretty athletic. And I think he's pretty underrated, personally. Oh, for the cold oh, Batman oh, DX and what a clothesline! Oh, the clothesline from hell! But yeah, it's pretty sick. Um, didn't really do a great deal as far as the quality of the match. Again, just a storyline match. Just these kind of um, these matches with DX tacking on for the night. Um, uh, Road Dog comes in to interfere uh, for the DQ, and everyone just kind of brawls out into the crowd. Um, doesn't really do, obviously, doesn't do much, but kind of progress storyline a little bit. Um, so <clears throat> we can then cut back to the storyline. Kane comes in and demands a match against Road Dog for walking into the bathroom on Terry. Um, obviously, Steph's just Steph gives it to him. She's causing friction for DX. Um, 
we'll see how this goes. But obviously, there is some like dissent within Stephanie and the other members of DX, obviously, barring her husband, Triple H. Um, so then the following matches. Uh, Kane versus Road Dog. After Road Dog comes back into the backstage and gets told that his match is next against Tor uh, against Kane for coming in on Tory. Um, uh, X Pac comes in pretty early into the match between the two. Uh, Kane uh, choke slams him and tombstones him for the win. Again, not a not a huge. Not a, nothing, <laughs> nothing nice to talk about. Um, throughout the night, there's a lot of mankind mockery. The uh, how would you describe it? The paradised version of mankind that we saw the previous week, uh, but this time being in Orlando, Florida, he is running around Universal Studios, uh, getting into all sorts of shit. Um, to be fair, the Guy doing the voice, I don't even know who it is, but the guy behind the mask doing the parodies, the voice is not bad, the look is pretty good, the mask is terrible, but, like, it's, <laughs> I know for a parody, but, I don't know, I don't know how many, I don't, I don't know, I'm sure some people bought into the fact that it was, that was him, no matter how far-fetched that is, but, um, it's, uh, the following, the match after the, in between the, Mankind at Universal Studios segments is um, between what uh, Michael Cole would refer to as two of the WWF's brightest young stars in this one. And I would agree, it's The Rock versus Kurt Angle. So Angle is still going, um, he is still undefeated uh, by hook or by crook from the following episode of Monday Night Raw, where he uh, won by disqualification, thanks to the help of Steve Blackman. Um, the before the match, um, during the entrance, still being in Florida and obviously still being in the year 2000 and still being the rock, the pop is huge. Um, just further reinforcing the fact that it's not just his hometown, maybe it's still his home state, but we know that the rock is crazy over at this point because there is a huge dis there's a huge distance between anything else going on and the rock entering the arena um it's by far the biggest thing happening on the show his entrance his music hits his promos um it's it's pretty cool seeing someone that that big that over um and at this point he's not um being set up for anything in particular um he survived thanks to mankind he kept his job thanks to mankind the following show um a few days prior on monday night raw that's kind of been dropped um, which is kind of good because I think it's just a succinct one-show mini storyline thing, especially going into the Royal Rumble where, not to get ahead, but obviously going into the Royal Rumble where storylines all kind of shift, new storylines start going into Rumble, uh, WrestleMania season, but um, it's just good that they're still kind of utilizing him and, and building him up. But um, it starts with a Rock promo, then Angle comes out and cuts his own promo, then it goes back to another Rock promo. They're not so much, it's not so much a conversation, it's just three monologues, more or less. Um, obviously, The Rock's playing his pretty typical stick, which never really quite gets old. Um, and Angle is still pushing the three eyes, which if you 
couldn't remember if you've forgotten what the three O's are. Of intensity, integrity, and, and intelligence. There you go. Of in- so, um, Angle's still really, really young, obviously. Um, there's some real heat for him. There's some real, real heat for Angle. Um, the match... The match is what it is. It's not... It could have been a lot better. Um, it's not a pay-per-view quality match. I think, obviously, looking at modern wrestling, I mean, to be fair, this probably isn't really any different to to most of um, professional wrestling in the sense that they're trying to get you to, to build up to the pay-per-view. That's where you see the quality matches. Um, I'm starting to get used to the idea that Raw and SmackDown are just for storylines but my memory of this this era at least later on down the track is quality matches uh, every night but we haven't quite got to that point yet at least in the early early shows of the year 2000 um, it's been very much just storyline pushing maybe that's going into the rumble maybe things will change but as of right now even between two really really good guys you don't necessarily have a really high quality match it's more or less just for the storyline so again uh, Steve Blackman comes down to interfere um the Rock gets a hold of his famous uh, kendo stick. He uh, hits both Blackman and Angle with the stick, causing the disqualification win for Kurt Angle, keeping those that famous, that memorable, uh, undefeated streak at the beginning of his WWE career alive, which, again, I'm still a big fan of. I like the undefeated streak. The only awkward thing is is how you end it, and... From memory, it doesn't go a tremendously long time so that it's awkward and it's a huge deal when it's over. But I think it's just a cool little tidbit to, you know, put him in with the top guys, even though he's young, well, early, young in his career. You can still put him in the in the ring with The Rock, and I'm sure a lot of people kind of thought that, all right, this is going to be the match that ends the streak. Um, but not the case. Uh, Blackman's still interfering Um, but at the end of the match Angle celebrates he's celebrating as if he won the gold medal again Um, but then The Rock recovers he gives him the rock bottom and the people's elbow and then The Rock celebrates as if he won the match with the big finish the big pose on the ropes the music hits it's kind of like a uh, having a cake and eating it too situation where um, they were able to keep Angle's streak alive and still get a big pop for The Rock, which I think is probably worthwhile considering how over he was, which, again, I've spoken about. But um, it worked out It worked out fine. Again, it's just I'm still watching this and kind of taking notes on it the first time. I was expecting when you see a match like Angle and The Rock, you want a, uh, you want a high-quality match. But, it, again, it's not the time for that sort of thing. Um, I remember the Royal Rumble which is coming up. And I do know that the, the quality of matches is really, really high. So obviously that's just their business model at this point. Uh, we then cut to in between backstage. Um, they give a shot of the tumbler and get a bit of a reba- uh, give a bit of a recap of the storyline. And there you see it, King. Coming up, names of WWF superstars have been placed in that tumbler. Whose name will be picked out to face Triple H for the title tonight? 
I can guarantee you it won't be Mick Foley. Cops are searching for the fired mankind. If he shows up tonight, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be arrested. Um, yeah, again, I like, I like, I like the idea of the, the lottery. I like, um, you know, defending champions and stuff like that. And it kind of teases you a little bit, making you think, making Triple H seem as though he is a defending champion. He's a fighting champion. He'll defend it against anyone. Um, obviously, being a heel, being one of the best heels, it's, you know, set up more or less. But um, the following match is uh, Edge, Christian, and Jeff Hardy, which is pretty special, uh, versus the Dudleys and Al Snow. Al Snow, I can take him or leave him. I don't know what the fuck's going on with his, with his gimmick. He's just a crazy guy at this point. He doesn't really have anything going on. Obviously, he has some sort of rivalry going with, with Jeff while uh, Matt is out of action. Being early in their careers before any sort of single push, they're really still just a tag team. But it was good to see that one of them going down didn't mean the end of or a pause on their on their run. Matt's still out there. Matt's still um, the the following the previous show on Raw was still interacting and working the match, just not in a uh, participant capacity. Um, but yeah, Edge and Christian still a budding young tag team. The Hardys, obviously, the Dudleys. One of the famous three tag teams of the era, the, of the TLC era. Um, a few notes, like it was uh, probably the best match. <laughs> this is an exaggeration. Well, it's not an exaggeration. It's just very literal. It, I would say it's the best match of the millennium so far of these two shows. One Raw, one SmackDown. This is probably the best match. Um, there was a sick Alabama Slam, which I'm a big fan of the Alabama Slam. I think that's just a... That's just a fun move, and it looks really good. I'm sure it sucks to take, but I think the ratio, well, the balance between how much it sucks to take but how cool it looks is probably worthwhile. Um, Jeff ends up propping himself up on the ropes, uh, his hands on the rope on the top rope. Bubba comes in and takes his legs and just Alabama slams him from the corner. And uh, it's good to see Jeff is really, really killing it, even with Matt out. Um, they're kind of putting him in these interesting situations. It's an interesting rivalry with Al Snow. doesn't do a lot for me, but it's good seeing him in one of the few singles runs of these few years before they really kind of start splitting and coming back, splitting and coming back. Um, but yeah, that was a good, um, really nice Harakarana from Jeff, which is kind of interesting because I don't remember a ton of Harakaranas from Jeff. Ugh, let me just get more comfortable. Um, but yeah, it's, um, one of the moves that you don't usually see him execute. So kind of seeing, seeing that in his repertoire was pretty fun. Um, it was a good fun, uh, two on two melee or melee between Edge and Christian and the Dudleys, um, outside the ring. Um, uh, but yeah, all in all, like it was a pretty decent match. Um, the Dudleys and Al Snow end up taking the loss um, to Edge and Christian and Jeff Hardy. Uh, Al Snow then turns on the Dudleys. You know, they were, they were supposed to help him. They were supposed to help him get one over one of his his rivals, Jeff Hardy, which is a famous rivalry that we all remember, of course. Uh, the following match is Test 
versus the big boss man. Uh, Test is wearing the face guard and still really selling the broken nose gimmick. He wasn't wearing it the, uh, following the previous show, but um, they show highlights of him copping the broken nose earlier. And um, yeah, and he's he's still still working for it. Um, it wasn't wasn't a tremendous. Again, I feel like a broken record, dude. Um, it wasn't like a really high quality match. It was just pushing these guys. I feel like there's nothing really special going for these guys. Hopefully, you see something kind of emerge um, after the rumble from these guys. But really, it's just Prince Albert and uh, Prince Albert's just like a leather daddy, and Big Boss Man is like his dom. And it's kind of weird, <laughs> literally naming a guy Prince Albert. <laughs> It just goes straight over your head when you're a kid, but when you look back, you're like, oh, they had a guy called Prince Albert. <laughs> they might have all called him Dick Piercing. Um, Tess ends up getting caught in the ropes um, with his hands, uh, with his arms. Uh, how'd you call it? Either way, his shoulders are caught within between the top and bottom rope. He's tangled, he's trapped. Um, Albert comes to the ring, Prince Albert. Prince Albert hits uh, Boss Man with a bicycle kick um, after Test um, dodges. He, um, but he doesn't get DQ'd. So, but like, is the ref not count that just because they're friends and he knows they're friends? He doesn't need to know they're friends. A guy just came to the ring and bicycle kicked one of the competitors. Doesn't that mean that the other competitor is disqualified? So that was kind of that was kind of whack. Like, at least have the... Like, the referee was right there. He saw it. saw it all. So, like, at least have a situation where the ref is distracted or takes a little nudge and ends up getting caught. Maybe he's trying to help. I don't know. I don't know anymore, dude. But, yeah, that was pretty... It's kind of one of those... Really? Thing, really? To the year 2000? You couldn't think of a way around that? Anyway. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, Tess ends up pinning Boss Man for the win. Um, doesn't... That's just progression. More and more. More of the same. Um, a, another handicap match. So this is... We're at five now. We are at five. This is the fifth handicap. We're averaging 2.5 handicap matches per show. Five handicap matches per week. <laughs> per week. Um, of, of three hours of programming, we've had five handicap matches. Like... <laughs> Um, I don't know what the fuck is going on with those handicap matches, but it is the Mean Street Posse. I looked into the Mean Street Posse because I felt I didn't remember them, and I kind of know why I didn't because there wasn't anything going. And I thought usually with those um those factions, those forgettable factions, at least there's a, especially with three guys, there's usually at least one that um you're like, oh, I didn't realize that was him. Like, um, I don't know, even, like, the thing that comes to mind is, um, that, like, Backstreet Boys rip-off faction, uh, three count, two count, I don't know, three count, it's three count, in, um, where it had, uh, Shannon Moore, Gregory Helms, you kind of, like, you're like, oh, they were doing that thing, and it was kind of weird at the time, but they come out of it. No one from Mean Street Posse has done anything afterwards, you're not going to recognize any of these guys. Um, even their opponents 
um, Kai and Tai, which was Funaki and someone else. I'm forgetting his name. But Funaki, uh, Funaki and Taka. But um, obviously, Funaki goes on to be SmackDown's number one announcer. But um, um, it contains a... The match is, is pretty standard. Um, it's fun seeing kind of cruiserweight Japanese-style guys in a era of pro wrestling or in an era of WWE where everyone's still big and strong. Um, and it contains a little fun little tidbit from the famous Jerry Lawler, which will be going into the bookmark folder. And a kick out. They're not Chinese king, they're Japanese for the final time. For the final time. Don't call them Japanese. Don't call them Chinese. Um, Joey Abs is one of the... Joey Abs rolls into the cover. There's two. There's two. Um, now, <clears throat> this is a team where they are quite obviously the rich, pompous heels, but they are still getting USA chants. Like, come on, Florida. You're chanting USA for the, for the bad guys. I think it's a big chant. Um, to be fair, that was a really nice um, back body drop into sit-out powerbomb by the Main Street Posse. Really well executed by everyone, and it was really, really crisp, and it caught me off guard. Um, Kai and Tai ends up getting the drop kick and the roll-up for the win. Um, no storyline at all whatsoever, really. Again, I don't know why it needs to be a handicap match. Um, just because there's three of them and two of Kai and Tai, it doesn't mean that you just have two guys from the Main Street Boss. You have another guy on the side. Either way, let's let them cheat. Let them cheat. Have an, have a have one of them on the side as the manager. Have the other two in the ring. Let them cheat. Let them get some heat against the small, if small baby-faced Japanese wrestlers, even though they've gotten getting chanted against um now the next segment is andre ah andre is stephanie addressing the uh the backstage locker room they made it seem as though it was live when it really obviously wasn't because guys that had matches were not they were getting ready for their matches they weren't you could very easily tell that it wasn't um, it was earlier in the day as opposed to while the show was going. So they're uh, rolling around in the tumbler, they're ready, getting ready to pull out the names um, from the tumbler for the uh, championship match between Triple H and whoever is drawn later in the show. Um, there's a few hiccups. But, uh... All right. Look, this is for real, all right? Andre the Giant? Oh. Andre the Giant! Come on. Who did this? But uh, this is a real deal here, all right? So, yeah, Andre the Giant obviously gets called. That's right. Andre the Giant. Yeah, Andre the Giant. Um, then they just... Yeah, Triple H gets one of the balls out and he just straight up drops it. It's a, it's a fun little moment in TV. Whoa. Oh. Oh. Um, after Andre the Giant gets uh, called the name at this point i'm quite certain he's dead uh then the fabulous mula gets uh gets called respect to you mula uh, what a match this is a real deal and i mean i'm sure if you got in the ring with me it would be one for the ages let's say 
But uh, I'm looking for a little bit more series of Challenger here. And uh, again. I can tell a little bit by the grumbling people aren't uh, buying this. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to have somebody that doesn't have anything to do with this draw this. Howard. Yes. That's right. Howard. So um, Howard ends up drawing it because for whatever reason, Triple H um, can't pick a current male on the roster out of a tumbler. So Howard comes up to present the challenger. He knocks it over. Howard. Damn it, Howard, your balls fell out all over the place. Damn it, Howard, your balls fell out all over the place. That's the fucking highlight of the goddamn show. Damn it, Howard, your balls fell out all over the place. Damn it, Howard, your balls fell out all over the place. I love it. I love that. It's, it's immature. It's the year 2000. It's Triple H. He does what he wants. He's talking about balls. It's a cheap joke. I love it. I'm all about it. Eventually, um, Howard gets his balls back together and he announces that the name that he's drawn out of the Tumblr is... It's Rakishi! It's Rakishi. Rikishi's younger, other vowel brother, which uh, is very popular in the back, in the backstage locker room area. Pick the wrong ball. Another tumble. Random ball. Okay. Anyway, um, we then cut back um, to uh, Universal Studios because we're in Orlando. Um, the fake mankind is still roaming around. He's on the. Um, he's at the uh, the Back to the Future ride in Orlando, Florida, Universal Studios. And uh, he's confronted by none other than the real Mankind, who's also wandering around the theme park in his ring gear. And real Mankind beats the living piss out of fake Mankind. Fake Mankind didn't know what hit him. Have a nice day, you son of a bitch! That was the real Mankind. I just like that little sound back there. Again. Have a nice day! You son of a bitch. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so that's the um, the little nod for Mankind's storyline continuing. Um, yeah, it's like a li nice little progression. It kind of keeps his character going. It does, it's not necessarily tied in with, um, at this point at least, tied in with Triple H's... It's not. He's not tied to Triple H at this point. It's just an individual character development for the storyline to go ahead while Triple H is defending his title against Rakishi. Rakishi. Um, now, at this point, we're going into the main event, but there's only uh, there's only 10 minutes left in the show. Well, that certainly concerns me. Yeah, that certainly concerns me because no, no good main events are less than 10 minutes long. I'm sorry. Um, so it's the second world title match this week. There's been as many world championship matches as shows at this point. Um... The, show, the match starts off pretty fun. Like, it's a physical match outside the ring. Uh, Rikishi turns himself inside out with a clothesline, which is always pretty cool to see because he is such a big, big dude, but he is athletic. Um, Rikishi hits him with a pretty soft bonsai drop. Um, he's holding... Um, 
He and he's holding both ropes like in the corner after the bonsai drop. He's holding both ropes and the refs hit keeps counting. And I'm like, come on, man. Um, Triple H ends up getting himself handed. Um, he just gets he's getting pretty pretty destroyed. It's um, you know it looks as though you might have a new champion, which is I guess what they want want you to think. Um, excuse me. This is what they want you to think going into this this match that you are going to have a new champion and it's not going to be the bad guy that keeps on winning. Um, um, Steph ends up getting uh, a chair to Triple H. He, uh, while the ref is distracted, Triple H hits Rikishi with the chair. Um, it's a two count. So Rikishi kind of no-sells the, the chair shot which is very indicative of the time when chair shots were just were thrown out any chance they were needed. Not, even, not needed. They were just thrown out willy-nilly. They, chair shots didn't mean any anything, really. Like, they were significant and they were fine, but now anytime you see a chair shot, it's, like, a big, big deal. Uh, obviously, with CTE and everything like that, that's going to be a big talking point as we go through the years. Um, uh, Rikishi just keeps getting up. Um, Triple H ends up hitting him with the championship belt, which gets him dig huge. So he retains the championship while Rikishi wins the match. Realistically, we're expecting Rikishi to get another chance. Maybe no, next, maybe next show on Raw. Um, due to the fact that he won the match, but he's not champion. Excuse me. I'm just going to get my shit together. Hang on. Um, but yeah, then two cool come out and... Um, Rikishi, Grandmaster Sexay, and Scotty Too Hotty, they all dance. The lights go down. Rikishi should be dead. He's taken multiple chair shots and a title shot to the head. Um, but yet they still have time to dance. They still live to dance. They still live, laugh, and love one another. Too cool. Scotty Too Hotty was nearly tag team champions. Scotty Tuhati nearly had a world champion as his tag team partner. What a world that would have been. Who knows where we would be in the world if that had happened. But it didn't. Because Triple H is a slimy, bad guy heel. And he made you think that he was going to lose the match, but he didn't. Anyway. um, Overall, like, again, not a... I kind of like an old record, but I would love to see a really high quality match on the show. Sorry, that was the end of the show, by the way. It was was Rikishi and was too cool dancing with the lights going down. Um, I would love to see like a high quality match, at least maybe like just one a show. Um, the Hardys, uh, sorry, the Jeff Hardy, Edge and Christian, and the Dudley against the Dudleys and Al Snow. That was, again, I stand by. That's probably the best match I've seen so far. Still not a good match. Still not a like a tell your friends about it kind of match. It's not a match I'm putting on my hidden gems list, for example. Um, but <clears throat> I just think I don't know. I would just like to see a high quality match. It's not too much to ask. That's what I'm watching wrestling for. But again, this is the year 2000 storyline is king. Storylines are edgy. Storylines are. You don't you don't see these kinds of storylines before or after this time, so they're just stretching it to the most of their ability. Again, I don't know how indicative the quality of these shows are for the shows going forward, the product as a whole. Um, there are some big names that are 
noticeable by their absence. There has been no uh, appearance from Stone Cold Steve Austin. There's been no The Undertaker so far. So these are two of the guys that are enormous at this time. I know there was a few periods in this era, these few years, where there were some injuries. And I know that Steve, uh, Steve Austin the periods that he points out where he took his ball and went home. This may have been one of those incidents, but, um, you know, we're seeing the, there's no real authority figures outside of, uh, the McMahon Helmsley era. There is no Vince is absent. Uh, Shane is, is also absent. Um, and they're kind of just running roughshod over the roster. Um, all in all, like they've been pretty, uh, I mean, they're, they're kind of fun shows, fun segments. Um, but we're really just looking forward to going into the Royal Rumble, which, again, no spoilers or anything, but I do remember the matches being of really, really high quality for that show. So um, thanks for putting up with me fucking around on my on my floor, being uncomfortable for the whole 41 minutes I've been doing this because I'm an idiot and I didn't sit down and start properly. And I appreciate anyone ever listening to this at any point. And hopefully um, the quality of these shows pick up because quite honestly, I can't even listen to it at this point. But I'm doing it. It's fun. And I appreciate you all. Um, Until then, just remember when you're unsure, don't make any assumptions because sometimes... And a kick out. They're not Chinese king. They're Japanese for the final time. They're not Chinese, they're Japanese for the final time. Okay, thanks, I appreciate it. I'm sorry, bye.